Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, the number to call. We will take your calls later on in the show. 590-590 is the text line as well. We'll be joined in a few minutes by Mark Shapiro, president and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, Kevin Barker alongside me, as always. What are you smiling for? Hi. You got that? Hi. <laughs> uh as we await, Mark, what uh, let me ask you this? Because I don't think I've ever asked you this question. What would what is your number one priority for the Blue Jays going into the offseason? Just your number one Bullpen, priority. Arms, more arms. It's like every other organization. Uh, and I, I think the one thing, too, that sometimes we gloss over is balance of lineup. For me, that that was if, if you could nitpick at little something about the lineup that you saw every day with the Blue Jays is a good, a decent right-handed pitcher could get after their lineup one through five with two pitches. Somehow you need to mix that up a little bit, so that may be one, too. And we're seeing, I think, in the postseason this oh. year, the importance of balance, aren't we? Oh, well, Astros are one that just screams at balance. That that Jeff Columbus on here just yelling and screaming about how good it is, how hard it is to pitch to them. Consistently, it makes that pitcher do something they don't want to do all the time. And that's the point. Hard. And, you want, and, and it also makes them, quite often, makes the opposing manager do Pull something that, is, that, he, that yeah. he doesn't want to do and all the time. there's not a lot of good managers, let's be honest, <laughs> in baseball that are, are always going to make the right decision all the time, and that's what it does is that balance of the lineup. It just it just smothers pitchers that are just not real good at going outside the box all the time. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think we're on the, the same page there. I mean, I've, uh, you know, we go into the offseason. Obviously, the focus is on arms. Uh, third base, I think, also has to be a focus as well. But, uh, well, let that that's our opinion. I mean, certainly it's not unique opinions. I'm sure it's shared by a lot of folks, but uh, it really doesn't matter. There are a few people whose opinions do matter when it comes to baseball in the yep. city. Our next guest is very much one of them. He is Mark Shapiro, president uh, and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays. Mark, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. We trust you're keeping, <clears throat> pardon me, we trust you're keeping well. Um, boy, there's a lot there. I, 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 I'll get right away to the a question I know you addressed in your year-end availability, but I, I think is something that fans will be interested in in particular. You know, now that sports venues are reopening to 100% in this province and indeed around the country and around the continent, um, are there any trends? I, I know it's early, but are there any trends or or sort of uh, touch touch points you are interested in seeing, you know, whether it's the Leafs or the Raptors or wherever, just in terms of fans coming back, tickets being sold, how people react to even concessions, things of that nature. 
I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I think, again, yes, you learn from everything, you know, that's happened. I mean, the U.S. obviously is on a, you know, not maybe not justifiably, but is on certainly a much more rapid pace and kind of opening up stadiums and arenas so we can, and, and we've seen that it's a gradual progression, you know, from uh, people coming out, you know, some people coming out to the, to the stadiums being packed and sold out. So um, I'm going to imagine we're, we will see similar things, you know, here, although I'm not sure arenas and open air stadiums are identical in the way people feel and react. But I think our responsibility and the things that we need to focus on are ensuring that we create both an environment and systems that make people feel as safe as possible. The, obviously, the the greatest thing that contributes towards that is the rate of vaccination here, which is among the best in the world. So um, uh, April's a long time in the world that we've been living in before we're back playing again here. Uh, a lot of time to kind of watch what happens. But among the things that we have to do this off season, Jeff, that's not one we have a lot of control over. So it'll just be kind of watching and learning, not necessarily reacting. How creative will you have to be or how flexible will you have to be in terms of ticketing? And I understand, I, I know that there's a, a, we have a long way to go, but uh, might it, it, in order to get fans back in the stands, clearly a winning team is number one. It's a big thing. An exciting team, which this team is, is a big thing. But has there been any thought given to creative packaging or uh, just sort of different ways of, of, of maybe pulling folks back in here? I mean, my the bulk of my thought is winning. So okay. you know, I just don't I just don't think there's a bigger lever. But we've got people who are far more experts in sales uh, thinking about I know they came up with like a quarter you know, packs that are a quarter season packs. And, but again, that's not something I have a lot of experience in, you know, and I, you know, my, my job's always been to hire really good people who think in those ways. What I've experienced is if you win, those things take care of themselves. And since we have the team we've got, you know, I'm not going to focus a lot of time on creative, you know, Mm -hmm. bells and whistles that, you know, uh, get 10% more people here. I, I think that if we, uh, that you couldn't have a more compelling, more exciting, more fun team to watch than our team. So it's just a matter of, you know, do people feel safe? Because we're going to be, a, you know, we're going to be must-watch baseball for anybody that loves the game of baseball. What are, What are your expectations when it comes to payroll for 2022? To have a payroll that supports us, you know, continuing to take the next step and to feel the team that's capable of winning the World Series. Uh, what 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 have you identified to, uh, as your priorities going into the off season? We're doing that right now, Kevin. It's not it's not like a five minute conversation. I mean, all of us have opinions. Watching us play all year, you know, handedness, you know, a little more balance in both approach and handedness in the lineup. You know, replacing the production from the guys that are free agents, either with by bringing them back or other people. Um, you know, continuing to improve the defense. Uh, improve the bullpen. There are a variety of things, but you got to be careful too. If you're always just reacting to the most recent, you know, performances, then you're you're just going to be, you know, opening up another set of of issues. So I think again, it's always to build the most balanced club you can possibly do that scores the most runs and prevents the most runs. Um, there are always multiple ways to do that, and when you go in to execute an off-season plan, 
you've got to have the agility and flexibility to adapt to where the most talent lies. And some of those things may be addressing the biggest gaps directly. Others may be strengthening the club even further in a way we already have a strength. So in the end, I would just say score more runs, prevent more runs, and we'll get better. Early days and all that, but do you have a sense how soon – Robbie Ray and Marcus Samian may make decisions. I again, as I said, I understand the free agency isn't open yet, but it's it is it something you and and Ross you'd like an answer on quickly when it does open, so you could pivot off it if if perhaps there isn't a you know there isn't an opportunity to sign either of them. No, I mean what we like for our self interest and and you know balance with the right that they've earned you know to explore the market. Those players, you know, it's. Kevin can speak to it, but those players, you know, work extremely hard for their lives to earn the right to become a free agent. And once they get to that point, you know, they deserve it. You know, and I appreciate that and understand that, you know, to get a full understanding of what the alternatives are out there. So that's not going to be quick. I mean, maybe it'll be quick in one of the cases or, you know, because we're, we're aligned and they, and they really want to stay here, but I think that's unlikely. So it's going to require patience. It's going to require us examining alternatives as well in case they don't come here for a variety of reasons. And, um, but we've got only positive relationships with all three guys. And, uh, and I think the all three guys want to ensure that we're an option and alternative for them as they go through the decision-making process. You, you may answer this in my last question, but, but if, if third base is a priority for you guys, I, what did you see and think of Santiago Espinal? And do you think he could be a starter at the third, at the big league level being an everyday third base? I mean, I don't think third base is his prototypical position, but again, like I think he's a part of a championship team and, um, you know, really encouraged by his performance last year and think if he continues to get stronger, um, you know, and, and can drive the ball, you know, even a little more, that he's got a chance to be an everyday player. And uh, just to kind of jump in on, on Kevin's question there, Mark, uh, you've got a couple of infielders in the minor league system, Jordan Groshans and Arelvis Martinez, that a lot of people have been talking about. Do you see either of them at some point, maybe not this year, maybe not the year after, filling filling that third base role internally? They're, they're great prospects that we're excited about. Um, when it comes to prospects, I mean, I, I'm probably going to be a little redundant with things you've heard me say in the past when we talked about, like, Bo and Vladdy. But, you know, if we're having to make a decision when they get here or forecast that, then we got a, a good chance to make a bad decision. So my answer to you would be I'm extremely excited about both those guys. They're both extremely young, doing some really impressive things throughout the landscape of the entire minor leagues. When they're ready to be in the conversation for Toronto, you'll know it. They'll, they'll be a triple-A, and they will be performing at a level that says, you know, we're ready for the next level. We're not getting challenged by this level anymore. You know, one guy was in A-ball last year and the other guy was in double-A and had very good years, so let's have that conversation a year from now. Or maybe they speed that up during the season next year, but that's not part of our planning right now. Mark, Mark when I played, I think there was a, such a thing as untouchable prospects. Does that is, exist in today's way of thinking? I, I've never, you know, in 30 years of doing the job, there's no such thing. You know, I mean, I think that that doesn't mean – 
that the deal someone would have to put together to get a prospect wouldn't be would be, would be unrealistic. That could make a guy, you know, in 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 some ways untouchable. But um, you know, there's a value, you know, for every single player. Uh, I think what's more important is understanding that we have to have balance on our roster, that we've got to maintain a healthy, strong, vibrant farm system in order to have a sustainable team. Um, and that, you know, while we've demonstrated that we're willing to trade young players at the right time, there always has to be a commitment to maintaining that kind of pipeline of talent coming up. Otherwise, you'll fall off a cliff at some point. Uh, I had a, a question from Max in Toronto who wanted to know, you know, with the success that the Red Sox and Yankees had this year, although we can, I guess we can argue about the success the, the, the Yankees had, but with, with them being where they are and with Tampa Bay being where they are, he was wondering how much pressure you feel to spend in free agency, you know, to show the young core that you were, that, 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 that you're serious about winning. I mean, I feel pressure, and we all feel pressure to get better. And, and I'm just happy that getting better is one, two, or three games and not 20 like it was two years ago. So um, if you don't wake up feeling pressure, you're doing the wrong job and in the wrong business. And the landscape that we've got in AL East, you know, is just part of the reality that, that always existed. Um, but. You know, I do feel like our team is as talented, if not more talented, than any team in the AL East. The, the year of experience is going to help us. A year of maturity with our young players is going to help us, and we will supplement and, and you know with players around them. Mark, I'm wondering now that the the 2021 season has, you know, for some teams, has ended. The minor league season has certainly ended as well, and I know the Arizona Fall League has started up. Have will there be a process, or will there will there be a time where People kind of sit down and try to figure out what exactly the absence of you know, a minor league season in 2020, what, what effect it had on the development of players. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Jeff. I think it's going to take years to kind of understand that fully. You know, um, we certainly dealt with a, a, you know, a greater number of injuries last year. Fortunately, they were, they were smaller in nature, but you know, that time off, you know, for some people and other people, you know, like an Alec Manoa who had nine minor league starts prior to what he did last year, it didn't seem to have any impact at all. So I think it's just, it's hard to, to generalize that across an entire population. Uh, but, but for most mortal players to miss a full year of development will have some impact. Um, but everybody's playing. Anytime something happens that impacts all teams universally, it's harder to determine what the impact is because we're all dealing with the same set of circumstances. It's more of an issue if, like, one team deals with that or one of three teams kind of thing. Uh, RJ and Almiro wanted to know, and this is a question we wanted to ask you as well, given the success of Alec Manoa, uh, is, there, is, there another, is there another prospect in the organization that might be ready to take that, that step forward? As you said, Alec didn't have a lot of starts in the minors. It was a pretty significant step forward. Are there other are there other minor leaguers in your system that we should maybe keep an eye on? I guess I'd, I'd answer that instead by saying, you know, what's unique about him, you know, and I, you know, I've, I've seldom seen a young player with his level of experience that's better able to slow down to compete uh, at the level he competes at. His compete level is just elite. His ability to separate pitch to pitch 
uh, and make adjustments, you know, within within his start, not just from start to start. So um, there's a unique mental makeup there. There's a unique level of competitive competitiveness and confidence there. Um, I, you know, I'm, I mean, I it's been very few guys I can ever remember in my career that have transitioned like he's transitioned and, and with the level of confidence and unflappability, even after tough moments and tough starts or pressure, high pressure environments. So uh, I wouldn't want to put that label on anybody else or compare anybody else. There are a lot of players we're really excited about, but I think what I would say for a fan that you know may not have watched as much baseball as we have, you know, this, this guy is something special and, he, it, what he accomplished this year was incredibly impressive and unique. Mark, I know you're a baseball man, and, and this time of the year, if you're if you're a baseball man, this is a, it's the best time to be watching baseball. But I'd love to get your thoughts on how, when you sit down and watch playoff games, how do you watch them? Do, do you do you do you look at the how long the games take? Do you look at the quality, of the pitching, the base run? How do you watch a baseball game this time of the year? Reluctantly, if we're not playing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean that's. It, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I can't not watch, but I can't really watch. It's so. It's interesting. Like, my whole career's been like that. Like, I, I start off a night thinking I'm not going to watch the game, and I end up watching the game. But I'm not locked in, uh, Kevin, the way I, I normally am. Um, I think my takeaway is just, man, just reaffirming what I've always believed. Just get in. You know, we're. I, you know, we're better than. The hottest team in baseball right now, we were 6-0 and against during the season, you know, and they had Acuna when we played them. So, um, you know, but they're the best team in baseball at this moment in time. And, you know, it just gets back to find a way to get in. And you do that enough, and you got a chance to win a world championship. So, um, you know, the, the, the type of baseball that gets played when – Every single moment is heightened in importance. Um, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be different. You know, I'm not sure what we can do about that. That's just the reality of the way decisions are made, games are managed, the time they take, all those things. Last question before I let you run. Uh, we've already seen on social media Vladdy Jr., pictures of Vladdy Jr. working out. Uh, we know the strides he took literally and figuratively last off season. Is his off-season program this year going to be any different than last year's? I think that's a better question for Ross. I mean, I think my hope would just be that, you know, the discipline that and the maturity that he showed in strides and progress he made last year would be something that, you know, as as any player becomes, you know, the, the player that, you know, is, is kind of the, the trademark that kind of resembles his career, um, you know, he was so incredibly young when he got here. I would think that he's learned some things about himself. Ultimately, players need to take accountability and ownership of their own career. There's no organization or manager or coach that can do that for them. Um, so I think Vladdy is kind of learning himself, learning the impact of what that disciplined offseason provided for him and then in the commitment he sustained during the season. Um, and we're always here to provide those resources and support. Mark, really good of you to join us today. You know we always appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, have a great offseason. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Good to be with you guys. Take care. That's Mark Shapiro, president of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, and that's something you've always talked about with Vladdy Jr., or with any player, is uh, taking ownership and accountability of your career. Yeah. It, it, and you've said quite often, sometimes 
Sometimes you have to step up and say things to people to to show that you're taking ownership. Yeah, Vlad, of Vladdy it. shouldn't need somebody to walk up to him and say you're looking heavy. I mean, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but quite frankly, he's shown that if he keeps himself in shape with the ability that he has on and off the field, he can be second to none. And he shouldn't need somebody to walk up and tell him that. He should be able to know that this is what it takes to be an everyday player. He wants to play 162 games and then however many games are going to play in the playoffs. Mm. And you got to, you know, adjust your workouts in the offseason according to that. And I'm sure he's going to do that. He's hungry. You can see that. That's why he's throwing out these these Instagram photos and videos of him working out because he's hungry. He wants to be the best. And when you have talent like he does and and wants to go off the field and do the things he does, if you're again, I'd say, I've said this till I'm blue in the face. You're a Blue Jays fan. If you're a baseball fan, you should be pumped up to see Vladdy doing these things in the offseason. Yeah, he's and, – and he started it, you know, in the, in the middle of the pandemic year. He – talked about it. he lost weight during the season and i i think a lot of people i think a lot of people it's not that they were reluctant to give it credit to give him credit for it but i think a lot of people who were critical of vladdy didn't for whatever reason feel inclined to give him credit for the way he he did lose weight as the season went on and this is a young guy and yeah he's an uber talented player and and all of that stuff and he's a great prospect but he's a young guy who had frankly has to learn how to ma- had to learn how to manage his body how to manage his diet you know it's one thing to have your mom cooking for you and everything like that and having the best nutrition in the world at some point guy has to go nah I've had enough at some point you have to take ownership of that and and I I, I just again I the the transformation Going from a guy that we said well, his best position was standing at the plate holding a bat, and boy, he may have to, to keep him on the field, he may have to DH him a lot, et cetera, et cetera, to go from that to being a first baseman who was capable of playing first base every day in a team that came within a couple of wins of the playoffs, that's a that's a huge step forward. I, I just I don't think we give him enough credit beyond the hitting for doing what he has done at, at an early age. That's the thing that amazes me, that he's made himself, Kevin, he's made himself a good first baseman. Not a gold glover. He's made himself a good first baseman. All you need to know about the person Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is he stood up in front of his teammates and apologized for being overweight. Yep. Sorry I showed up looking like I look because that's not going to help our team. Takes a real man to do that. You ever stood up in front of people and apologize for something? Uh, yeah, I, several I times. I, I haven't really done that. It, it, it's different when you're with guys as much as they are yes. in spring training and off season and during the season, and you want to go in the playoffs and how many days you're with these with with these men. It's it's not the easiest thing for a 21 year old to do that. And he stood up and did it. He took ownership, and he wants to be the best in the world at it. And I give him credit for it. you know it, it took a coach, a organization to call him in a room and say, hey, you got to make some changes. We have to move positions because you're overweight. Fix it. He went and fixed it, and now look at him. Give him credit. The numbers are 416-870-0590, star 590. We will spend the rest of the show talking about the Blue Jays, giving you a chance, as always, to have your say. You heard Mark Shapiro's comments. Keep in mind, of course, that uh, at, at this point in time, and I think Mark talked about this in his availability earlier in the week um there are 
there are priorities. There is a plan or there will be a plan in place to proceed during the postseason. You're not going to get everything done at the same time. You're not going to make a trade right now and re-sign your free agents. And you've got to deal with the immediate issues when they present themselves. Right now, free agency is not necessarily an immediate issue. We know in the case of Robbie Ray, we suspect or we think in the case of Robbie Ray, there was not a great deal of dialogue this year, simply because both sides seem to want to leave well enough alone. Uh, and and also, I think, quite frankly, the Jays and Robbie Ray, probably at some point when they agreed to the one-year contract last winter, at some point there, there, there must have been a discussion about what it would take to get something done long-term. And just groundwork being laid. Marcus Semyon were led to believe there were more discussions. Uh, there, there was, I wouldn't say a greater emphasis, but... Marcus Semyon and his agent appeared to be a little more open to re-signing here. And then, of course, you have to include Stephen Matz in that situation. I, I like what Mark said. You know, they're going to have to be patient. There's a chance that everything may align with one guy. Uh, and, and that's... When, when Mark talks about free agency, I like the fact... And, and he's done this a couple of times. And it, it's kind of a subtle change from what you normally hear what we've normally heard from executives you know, instead of approaching free agency with fear you hear mark talk about free agency i think this is because his dad was an agent you hear mark talk about free agency and talk about how it's a right which it is it's a right that a player has earned i know people may roll their eyes but i think if you're a baseball person or a baseball executive if you look at your player going into free agency as it's not a bad thing, it's a right the player has earned, Kevin, I think that allows you to approach it a little differently. I think it allows you to make the whole dialogue around free agency a little less negative. You know, well, we're going to lose it. No, this is his right. He's earned this right. He had a great year for us, helped us win games. So we're negotiating with a guy, admittedly, we're negotiating with a guy who was in a very strong position. I think sometimes that's that approach makes a difference. Yeah, I think so. I, I can only talk, speak from this, from, from the player side of it. I, I worked my tail off to try and just have the day where I could go on the market and other teams wanted you and would spend big money to get you. Every every player, Robbie Ray wants that. Marcus Simeon wants that. Marcus Simeon's basically came out and said it that he's going to go to the market and wants to be a part of having the 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 conversations about you know I can go to an organization and, and be meaningful playing shortstop or playing second now or whatever mm-hmm. the position may be. Just having the right to have the conversation because you've earned it. Every player wants that. I know I did. Yeah, and uh, and I've also said this several times that what I also enjoy about when when Mark talks about free agents, and, and this is something that, uh, you know, it gradually changed over the years. But one of his his points earlier this year, when talking about why it was important to get Jose Barrios in, in 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 camp, and essentially give yourself buy yourself time to negotiate with somebody who's a free agent after next year, so he said it's hard for us to attract free agent pitching. And right away, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to bring up the candidate. Didn't bring up the candidate thing. He said, it's hard for us to track free agent pitching 
because of the ballpark, because it's hitter-friendly park. It can be a hard park to pitch in, and because of the, the division we play in. And I like that because now you're, now you are couching or you are structuring the argument around baseball stuff, stadium stuff, not necessarily, well, the, the border, passports, foreign country. I think the Jays kind of frankly realize it. You know, you know how you get around that issue? You give it another year and more money yeah. to get around. It's it's amazing what an extra $18 million will do to that border as an issue. So I, like I said, when I hear Mark talk and Ross talks the same way, there's a confidence that hasn't always existed in front offices in this city. It did a little bit with Alex was here. You know, JP Ricciardi, I love JP, but there was always free agency was always this, ah, God, it's this thing that we, we, we got to avoid. And Jesus, Mm. now we're going to, and I, I don't get that tone from these guys. And I think that's, I think it's important for fans, but I also think it's important for baseball people. I think it's important for baseball players, Kevin, when they talk to a team that the team talks to them and is aware of their strengths yeah, and George, weaknesses. George Springer, the deal they gave him will tell you they're willing to spend money, and they have a really good team. If I'm a free agent, why would I want to come to the, to the Toronto Blue Jays five years ago, six years ago, seven years? Because the team wasn't any good. Now the team's really good. Mm-hmm. You know if you're a pitcher coming here that you can have some hiccups throughout the season because of the offense they have. It's okay. Yeah. You might still have a chance of winning games. That's the whole thing for me is, you know, it's one thing to, to say all the other things about free agency. It's another thing to have a good team and be willing to spend money. They have both of those. It is. As someone who's been around, you know, this this team since 2000, it really is. It's refreshing to have baseball executives who are really aggressive and who are, who are pushing, pushing the cause of the team and who think that, who think that there are enough strengths in this city and enough strengths with this organization that you can, that you can sell players on it. And that is, I I don't know if it registers with fans necessarily. Uh, I like to think it does with, with, with smarter fans. And it, I mean, it certainly does. It certainly does with me. And I would be saying this, even if it wasn't working the same company. I just, I, I like my baseball executives to be positive and to sell, to believe. You can't sell someone on something, Kevin, unless you believe in the product yourself. You just can't. This is the first time. I don't know about you that, that Mark seems like he's a little bit more open, a little, little bit more. Here it is. This is what we're we're trying to be. This is who we want to be. We want to be consistently that, well, and we're willing to do whatever we, we have to do to get it done. As Mark just pointed out, the team leading the National League Championship Series, Jays were six and zero against them this year when they had Ronald Acuna. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are a lot of things that Mark and Ross and the Jays and baseball fans are seeing around the postseason that are just reinforcing how good and how close this team is. 416-870-0590, star 590, one 590 I have not forgotten about you. We'll get to the calls. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
Game five of Braves and Dodgers goes tonight at 8 o'clock on Sportsnet. Is it over? I mean, I've gone back and forth in the Red Sox-Astros. This, this field, the the Braves-Dodgers series feels a little different. I, no, I don't think it's over tonight. I think the, I think the Dodgers win, win another game. I don't have a good feel for it. I mean, how do you have a feel for, how do you know what the hell's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, look look at the look at the scores in that series. Look at the scores in the Astros the Astros Red Sox series. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. You know, one thing I we didn't talk about with with Chris Sale last night. Chris Sale looked awfully good. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking Chris Sale is now an option for the Red Sox out of the bullpen in Game Seven if there's a Game Seven. And if Chris Sale is an option for the Red Sox out of the bullpen in Game Seven, and he's got that good stuff, yeah, he was good, and they. What's the score? Nine one. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I don't want to state. The I don't have a good. Here. I don't have a good feel for either series. I I still think the Dodgers are the better team, but but I think they've managed themselves into just they managed themselves into a corner, mm. or they've thought themselves into a corner. I don't know if I'd necessarily say they managed themselves into a corner. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. You heard our conversation with Mark Shapiro. Um, and, uh, well, we want to get your reaction to that conversation and any other, any other thoughts, questions, notions you have about the Toronto Blue Jays. Jimmy in Hinton, Alberta. What's up, Jimmy? Not too much. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Long time listener. Uh, 17 years, actually. I moved out here from Niagara Falls, uh, and I listen to the band 590 every day. Where's Hinton, by the way? I wake up, uh, just south of Jasper. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're up there. Nice country. Anyway, if you're not stoked after that interview with Mr. Shapiro, I mean, you don't have a pulse. That That's the most encouraging interview I've ever heard. Like, he talked about spending enough to win mm-hmm. the World Series, and then he spoke of balance, yeah. which you don't hear of someone specifically asking for that. So I'm really stoked at this. Like, we're going to get some left-handed bats. Uh, I can't see uh, either Ray or Simeon coming back. But even if they don't, I am fully confident that this guy is going to bring back more than he lost, 100%. Yeah, Jimmy, you made an interesting point. Thank you very much for the call. You made an interesting point about Mark, and I'm going to include Ross in this as well. Listen, they understand how close this team got to the playoffs. What did Mark say? Mark had that great line about, you know, he'd rather, I'm happy that we're, he was asked about if he was happy the team got better. You know, getting better for us now is only three games. It's not 20 games. So it's, it's a step forward. Their, their remit, their marching orders are very clear. The team has to, win more games next year. The team has to go to the postseason next year. Like I said, meaningful baseball in September, that's gone. Now we're talking about meaningful baseball in October. And based on everything we've seen, signing George Springer, completing the renovations in Dunedin, 
Now they're getting a new scoreboard as well, but completing the renovations in Dunedin, all of that stuff at a time where the team really, I mean, the team hasn't, hasn't been able to sell tickets at home. Uh, The team hasn't been able to play in in front of a a capacity crowd at home for two full seasons. Now the commitment that's, that is there from ownership and from the front office, I think Kevin gives fans like Jimmy, a lot of confidence that if Ray and Semyon don't resign, and I think there's, I think there's a chance they get one of them. I don't think they're going to get both. I think there's a chance they get one of them. But that in the very least, the Jays' reaction to that won't be to punt on the season or to stand still. It will be to be proactive mm-hmm. and do what they can to make the team better. And if, and if they can't do it through free agency, then I think you do see them. You do see them try to make a trade. I, I I will just say this: they are going to try to trade for Jose Ramirez, and I'm I mean I'm not just throwing that out there. They did at the trade deadline. They're going to try to trade for Jose Ramirez. And further to Jimmy's point, the fact that this organization worked hard to sign Michael Brantley. Now it didn't work out, but the fact that they worked hard to sign Michael Brantley after signing George Springer tells you tells you that they understand that balance is important here. That's yeah, a no-brainer. Look, I, I asked him the question about how he watches the playoffs, and it was interesting that he mentioned the Braves, the best team, the hottest team, was 6-0. and that, that just seems like that that ticked him off a little bit. Like, he, he, he sees that his team, if they got in, they're better than any of the four teams that are in it now. They, they could have made a serious run at this thing, and that would tell you that they're going to be very specific on – how they go about making their team better, which is the obvious choices and the balance. And, you know, they have good pieces. They have a good core. They have good veteran leadership. They have guys who have been there and done it before. Now they just need final pieces. When's the last time you can say that about a Blue Jays organization? Just final pieces now. A little balance and some better arms when it matters the most. It's different than, it's a different feeling than 15 and 16. It's a younger team. 15 and 16, even at the trade deadline. The only way that that team was going to make the playoffs was for Alex to do what he yeah. did to go out and just that, and, and basically and 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 get, and get that, those guys. Well, they, they absolutely needed. That's but that's, real, that's different than now because we talked about yeah, this 2015 2016. That was the end. That's real simple for me. That the 15 to 16 didn't have Bo and Vladdy that you could think of the next 10 or years Manoa. of seeing well, that had. production or seven or eight years, whatever you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, a long time. No, it's yeah. uh, it, it's it's very true. And and that, yeah, I, I will keep reminding people that they spent a lot of money on George Springer last year, but they were also willing to spend more money on Michael Brown. Yeah, I don't know why that why that didn't happen. We're all led to believe, and you, know, you hear things. I mean, we're all led to believe that it was close. I certainly know this. It's an indication that the Jays realized that even after signing George Springer, they still needed to address uh, balance, you know, and they they – they weren't able to do that during the year. They tried. You know, Corey Dickerson, they got guys that will help in that area. But the two areas that they that they didn't, they weren't able to address in the offseason were balance and the bullpen. Yeah, I don't see how real fans uh, of baseball and the Blue Jays could be negative about this team and this organization right now today. The, the, the way they have this lined up, the way they have this set up to be good for the next three or four years is – Everything's headed in the right direction. 
And John. They, oh, sorry about that. And no, they go ahead. Get it done. They want to get it done, which is a big deal. John in Oshawa, what's up? Uh, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. I just, I just wanted to ask you guys, is what can Major League Baseball do about these four-hour games? They're, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, this is uh, the same conversation that people have been having for for years and years. John, what I mean, what what do you you know? We've said we've had ideas before. What what do you have any ideas? I mean, you watch you watching the games. Do you have any ideas? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, I have no idea. Travis, but but the average show can't be watching these games because they're going to bed. They got to get up in the morning. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the call. I, I, you look there. We've talked about pitch clocks. Yeah, it's not going to help. That's not going to help in the playoffs. It's the number of pitchers. Well, and and it's funny. Travis Sachuk, who uh, has written for a number of publications, and is really he's a really the, he is a a real original thinker when it comes to analytics made a point about how many foul balls we see. Like yeah. there, there are some things you can't, you can't get around. There are a lot of foul balls this, this postseason. That that's baseball. That that's just, that's good hitters uh, zoning in on, on, on yeah. good pitchers. Um, the pitching changes. I mean, God, we've, we've, we've talked about it. I don't think there's any way you can limit pitching changes. I threw out my silly idea about, if you're going to use a guy as a a starter as a reliever in the postseason, he has to have made an appearance during the regular season as a reliever. Oh, hey, that is that any dumber than limiting pitching than 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 forcing pitchers to face three batters when they come in the game? Mm-hmm. That hasn't that hasn't sped the game up. Every, that hasn't done a damn thing. Forcing putting the three batter minimum in has been. It hasn't been a failure, but it hasn't it hasn't done a damn thing to speed up games. They might as well get rid of it. Yeah, if you're major, you league might as well ba- get rid of if it. If you're major league baseball, and all you're talking about is we need starting pitching to be better to have these games go and have a little bit better flow. In the Astros game last night, one pitcher went eight innings, the other starting pitcher went five and a third. It still went three hours and thirty two minutes That's long. Great point. I don't, and I have to admit, I haven't been looking at the commercials. I haven't put a stopwatch on the commercials to see if the breaks are longer. I, I kind of presume they are, but. When you get when you get when you get the best pitchers in the game and the best hitters in the game and they're facing each other time and time and time again they're facing each other multiple times over over a ten day span you're just gonna get long games because guys there's less there's less trickery involved there's less ways to fool guys guys have seen this guys have seen the same reliever three times I just I think it's Beyond putting the pitch clock in, I just don't know what you do. I, I, I don't necessarily think you do anything else. It's the way it is. You know, unless you want to cut the games down to seven innings. Good luck. Owners aren't going to like that. Money out of their pocket. Well, I don't like that. I, I just, I've, I understand it's an issue. I understand that fans especially younger fans prefer more action. That's my focus. If you have a four hour, I, I got to be careful how I say this. Cause this is, if I have a four hour baseball game where there's a lot of action, a lot of these games had action. Yeah. Then I'm okay with it. I agree with you. A nine, one game where one starter went 
Eight innings. The other went five. Five Third. There's no reason for that to take three and a half hours. No. Like, if it was nine, seven, we go, okay, multiple rallies, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. And further to Kevin's point, Framber Valdez, what, he had had 70 pitches through through five innings? It's not like he was grinding through 20-pitch innings. Mm -mm. So... All I, all I will say is I know that this will be addressed during CBA talks. I know there are going to be rule changes. Just be careful because I'm using that three batter minimum as another example. It hasn't done a damn thing to speed up the game. Has not made an impact. It's effectively a useless rule. And my concern is that sometimes you throw a bunch of stuff against the wall to try to fix something you think needs to be fixed. You end up getting unintended consequences. But having said that, I, I completely, believe me, I completely get why people have an issue with, with four-hour games. It doesn't help either that there's two games in one day and they each take over four hours. That doesn't help either. I know there there's nothing they can do about that because you don't want games going up into November. Yep. But eight and a half hours of baseball games is. Uh. Daryl and Whitby. Hey, man, hey guys, what's up? How are you? Good, good. Good. How are you? We are good. Good. I I heard uh, Mark on earlier. I don't know if you guys caught it, but when you asked him the question, I forget if it was you, Jeff, or if it was Kevin, but you asked him about Espinal being an everyday third baseman. And I don't know the wording that he used, but he almost made it sound like that that's not a hard position to fill. But I disagree with that. I think the hot corner is one of the hardest. It's hard to find uh, a steady third baseman there that also can hit for average, too, on top of it. So Yeah, I didn't get – I didn't – you know what? I, I didn't get that impression necessarily. I got the impression that he thought that there were going to be some options out there. Uh, that there are going to be some options out there for it. I, listen, I Santiago Espinal is a fine piece and a good team. Yeah, but I don't think he's an everyday third baseman I, I, on a World Series. He team. said that in a very nice way that that he he's a good enough player to be on a championship team. He's trying to to word it in a way where he didn't want to downplay the player because the player's That's good. A he's point. a he's a you know he's a he's a average player at the big league level. Is he an everyday player? And I've said this to you. How would it look? If pitchers start game planning against him, if he's an everyday player, that's the question you got to ask yourself, and that's the whole point in having everyday players is you, is you want them to be able to make adjustments. And I'll, I'm not sure he can do that on an everyday basis. I'll, I'll throw the question back to you, Daryl. Do you think he can be an everyday third baseman? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's ready for that yet. He hasn't. He hadn't. He hasn't had enough hours out of yet in the big leagues for that. I think they need a more seasoned vet there. Yeah. yeah. If they want to, if, if they're talking about winning next year, that's what you, you can't. You can't have trial and error. You got to have a guy that's ready to go there well every said. day and that can produce at that level. Yeah, really well said. Yeah, Thank you, well Daryl. That's that, that is right. It's, especially too if that if that forty home run guy doesn't come back to play second base, then you got a second baseman that you don't know, and then if you got Santiago Espinal playing third, that that's a big. That's a big stopgap between really good hitters and not such good I hitters. I would be okay. I would be okay with Ramirez at third and a platoon of Biggio and Espinal at second. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm not sold on Kevin Biggio yet. He's a no, good but person. I mean, if you, well, Kevin, but if you get Ramirez, you're, you're, it'd be great to have Ramirez and Semyon. That probably isn't going to happen. So, I, But what I'm saying is if I've got Ramirez and I, 
I'm I'm replacing the offense I've lost with Semyon. I get by with with Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio at second base hitting ninth in my lineup. Astros right now best lineup in baseball, and their eighth and ninth hitters not very good, and they're they're you know one of them's almost an everyday catcher. So I get your point. You could you could get away with one of those two guys hitting eighth or ninth if you got the first seven spots taken care of. I'm with you. That just puts a little bit more pressure on everybody else and the turnover between the eight and nine guy to get them to on base for the one, two, three guys. But, you know, at this point in time, we're we're greedy when it comes to having the best at every position. I will tell you what. I, I watched Santiago Espinal all year, and I think to myself, son, if only you hit left-handed. Maybe. He's, he's the best defender they got in the infield. Yeah. Only he did that, but I uh, I think you're right. I he's got a spot in my team. Third baseman, third but base. But I don't think he's an everyday third. Have to have player. some run producing in them, not run prevention all the time. Oh, no, that's man. that's my point. Yeah. And that is going to be especially the case if the second baseman isn't back. Um, yep. And and if the second baseman is back, then maybe then maybe you're looking for something different. But the the very least you've. You can't go through the first two and a half months of the season like you did last year getting the defense you were getting at third base. You just can't. That kind of gets lost in everything that happened last year, but the Jays' defense was atrocious at third base. Now, you could argue, too, if you get better arms out of the bullpen, defense doesn't come into play because that's swinging messy. You're always going to have balls. American League is always going to be balls hit down. Balls pulled down the third baseline. It just is. You're going to have to have a good defender at, at third base. Mm. Uh, that is it for us today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Don't forget, it'll be the Braves and the Dodgers. Game five tonight, 8 o'clock on Sportsnet. And uh, enjoy the baseball. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.